Congratulations, you. You're listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. Yes, you are. From slinging breakfast on Radio 1 to being the mayor who gets it done, it's time for our fortnightly catch-up with Dunedin's mayor. We're squawking with Hawkins. Turn my mic on. We are indeed squawking with Hawkins. Uh, Morena to you, Aaron. Good morning. How are we today, sir? Oh, very good, thank you. Marvellous. Uh, well insulated. Yes. Certainly not you know, domestically, but uh, we get through. We do get through. Um, to be honest, um, I'm a bit upset with the weather because it didn't snow enough for me to not come to work today. You've got to live higher up in the hills. <laughs> yeah, I do need to live higher up in the hills. I live quite are you, high. Are you, are you choosing your real estate based on how many days off work you <laughs> might get in a given winter? Maybe. Maybe. I am looking for a house at the top of Three Mile Hill, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the other side of the Kilmore. That's right. Oh, yes. No, that would be yeah, paradise. Um, right, T.O. Um, the students are back. It's uh, reorientation right now. Uh, and obviously, it's been a quiet year with the mass exodus due to COVID-19. And still campus isn't at 100 uh, with overseas and domestic students. Um, obviously, obviously, overseas students can't come in. And domestic students, some of them are staying uh, at home and learning via the internet. Uh, council and the student body haven't always had a symbiotic relationship. What are your views on the student populace uh, and its importance to Otipoti? Oh, it's incredibly significant for the, the city economically uh, in terms of um, uh, both the, the number of people who are employed or work for not just the university but also the polytech uh, and, and the students that are enrolled and base themselves down here. Uh, but equally, if not more importantly, it's um, incredibly important to the city uh, culturally. Uh, it's what drives... Uh, such a, a, a dynamic environment um, uh, that we have and, and provides opportunities for people outside of the campus and our community to access um, a fairly phenomenal range of lifelong learning opportunities, whether that's through uh, public seminars or workshops or public lectures and, and the rest of it. And it, it's, a, it's the kind of thing that makes a, a city uh, of this size feel uh, far more um, I don't know, I mean we, we, are, we are disproportionately well catered to from, a, from an education uh, perspective as a community just as we are from, uh, from uh, uh, an arts and culture perspective given our, our colonial forebears interest in setting up museums and galleries and collections to, uh, to put in them um, and, and that is a huge um, a huge appeal, not just for people involved in, in studying uh, studying here or working at those tertiary institutions, but uh, anybody uh, who is, uh, has the luxury of choosing where they uh, live and work, um, to be able to do all of that uh, in a small, compact city like Dunedin is a huge asset. Indeed, indeed. And the things like having a, um, a medical school um, can only bring wonderful benefits as well, right? Yeah, in terms of what the public health offering is uh, in the city, you're right. I mean, if it wasn't co-located with uh, the medical school, that would probably look uh, very different. I mean, it was certainly... It's funny how it happened... Because everybody disappeared off the street uh, during lockdown, and then when we were allowed back out of the house, we didn't quite notice it. But there was... uh, Towards the end of last semester, I remember just something as basic as... Uh, going to New World and buying groceries and being 
reminded of, of what the city looks like when it is uh, full of young people, which it, which it hadn't, mm. hadn't been, uh, and, and that's you know a huge part of the the vibrancy of the uh, of the city. Yeah, well, not you know um, for those months not seeing anyone in the supermarket in their pajamas, it did feel quite weird. <laughs> well, look, you know, form over function. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, right, scenes, Aaron. Scenes yesterday, an extraordinary meeting at the Otago Regional Council, and I don't know how much you can talk on this, but your former colleague, Andrew uh, Newell, or Nude, uh, has, uh, you know, performed what some would call a coup d'etat. Great band, by the way. Um, classic um, New Zealand band. Um, but, you know, you, you, the DCC and the ORC have quite a close relationship. So what are your thoughts of what we have seen over the last um, few weeks? Can you give any? Um, I think it's, it's, it's always disappointing when uh, elected bodies who have so much significant work to do uh, find themselves mired in uh, internal debates rather than doing the work they need to be doing. And in this case, that's... Uh, catching up on um, decades of deferred work, particularly around uh, water issues. Um, I think it's a bit cute uh, for for some of them now to say that this isn't about um, water issues or water reform when uh, in the initial letter signed by seven of them it specifically asked the chair to stop work on, on water reform and, and water issues. But, uh, if it, but if it is about truly about leadership and, and governance as, um, as we have been told uh, I would have expected more of them to make their case at the meeting yesterday in speaking in support of the motion to uh, remove the chair I think it was uh, telling um, and deafening the silence from some quarters when they were presented the opportunity in public to explain their reasons for taking such a, a drastic move but now, the relationship between the City Council and the Regional Council is, um, is, is a funny one in that they are, our, they are our regulator in terms of our water, water assets in particular. Um, but also we, we work with them on, on issues uh, like transport and planning and, mm. and those sorts of things. So there's always a, um, there's always a tension between those, between those two. And my, um, my hope uh, is that you know, the, the, the work that our community are very keen to see done uh, particularly on our water reform isn't uh, isn't slowed down or, or hampered by this. I mean they've, they've got a, a regional policy statement which uh, won't <laughs> dwell too much on the detail of what that is or what that means but effectively uh, what the, the RPS sets out everything that we as, uh, as territorial authorities, local councils uh, can do in terms of our planning and, and the absence of uh, uh, a fit for purpose RPS that makes our job very difficult. So, I think the main uh, focus needs to be on those two things: getting the RPS done and, and dealing with uh, the, the Dean's permit uh, water issues, which I've had uh, decades to do but haven't, sadly. Mm, mm, yes. Um, but Dunedin looks set to become uh, to take in Kiwis returning from overseas for isolation. From what we've seen over the last few weeks, uh, and especially over the last couple of days, um, what are your feelings? Are you confident in the government's processes to handle um, these returning Kiwis in our city? At this stage, the government are uh, looking at options around the country to handle. 
um, managed isolation facilities when, when the current locations uh, reach capacity. And so uh, the, the discussions at the moment are about, you know, would this work in Dunedin and what would be required for it to work in Dunedin? And we've seen uh, the DHB have said that their preference in the, in the southern region is Dunedin, which makes sense given that's where they're, um, going back to your earlier point, that's where the health infrastructure is based in the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but this is about more than um, healthcare, obviously. You also need physically places to put people uh, and, and places to put people in an environment where both they and the wider community can be kept safe while they are in a managed isolation. Um, the, the minister has, has told us that uh, no decisions will be made on where they will send people until uh, until uh, Dr Woods has come down uh, and, and talked to us and worked through uh, what those um, systems would look like uh, so that we, alongside them, uh, can give the reassurances that our community need and, and should expect, actually, around um, uh, around how this is being managed. Um, it's never going to be perfect, um, um, and we've seen uh, obvious uh, examples of that, um, but you know we need to make sure. I mean, our job as a as a council and as a city is to support the health-led effort in, in managing our COVID nineteen recovery. But uh, in, in order to do that, uh, in good conscience, uh, those are the, those are the sorts of reassurances um, that we'll need. So my understanding is that the minister will be down next week uh, to start working through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's difficult, right? Because you don't want these people to be feeling like they're in a prison. Um, but this, by, the, by, the, by these people, you mean New Zealanders? Yeah, returning home. That's yeah. right. I don't I mean. mean uh, I do, yeah. Wow, your old mate's gone. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but I think it's. I mean, I mean, egregious examples aside, I think it is important to remember that. I mean, these are New Zealand citizens yes. returning home, and we have a a moral obligation to well support them and, and and help them and they are they are coming from places almost universally coming from places that are far far worse off than uh, New Zealanders given the, the various responses we've seen around the world uh, and you know our job is is to help uh, is to help with that collective effort and I, and I don't see why uh, Dunedin city that has prided itself on you know, a community-led campaign to become a former refugee resettlement location mm-hmm. uh, wouldn't show that same um, care and support for New Zealand citizens uh, returning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do we have the infrastructure for this, though? Well, that's the question. Yeah. And, and, I, and I can't answer that, but that's, that's the work that they're doing now. They're looking at a number of spots around the country to assess just that, you know, the combination of, you know, accommodation and security and... Um, uh, and healthcare and social support, and you know, Queenstown no shortage of empty beds, but uh, not a lot of um, health or social infrastructure to yeah. support people there. Um, the need, and you could argue, is the inverse of that. Uh, so, you know, there, there are a number of uh, a number of questions uh, that will be asked, and, and that will be coordinated at a national level to see where exactly the capacity is. And we've seen now um, you know, the government taking a more hands-on approach to managing. Uh, migration in mm-hmm. terms of you know, that, that's a, the trickiest thing up until this point is no one really knows in, in advance particularly how many people are coming and, and, and unless we had a shift in policy that said we weren't going to allow uh, New Zealand citizens to return which would be outrageous yeah. um, 
you have to do that. So, so trying to manage um, the arrivals in such a way that you can make sure that we have the managed isolation capacity around the country is, uh, is also um, part of their strategy. And of course after that comes, um, do we have the capacity to house these people when they come out of isolation, which is going to be an interesting one for the government as well. Um, just before I get to my last little question, someone has texted in and asked um, what you think about the university not paying rates. You know, yeah. is that something that you've thought about? Well, the univers- that I've the university about. do pay rates. Um, they, don't, they don't pay the general rate. No. Um, but neither do primary schools and neither do national parks. Um, and, and any number of, of other facilities. Um, They're not they about, do, those entities aren't about making money, whereas the university, I would argue, has become that kind of institution. Well, it's, a, it's, a, well, it's been 30, 30 to 40 years turning our tertiary sector into a, uh, into a, into a business, haven't we? But, yeah. look, I mean, that's, I mean, they do, the, the university pays rates on, um, it's, it's a, it's, Housing stock, you know, it's it's yes. rental, uh, it's rental stock, and it pays uh, rates on for the infrastructure uh, that support it. Um, uh, I'm I'm comfortable with uh, the current situation. The other thing that is always worth noting here is that it doesn't rate. It's not a property tax. So if you were to charge primary schools and universities um, rate that wouldn't increase revenue to the council, it just spreads the 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 rates burden across more people. Yeah. Um, so, which and that's a, that's a valid argument to have, but it's it's not a. Um, it, it wouldn't we wouldn't make any more money. No. As a, as a city, if, if if public institutions paid general rates, but the ratepayer may pay less. Um, right. Well, over, I, overall, and, I, and, I, and to what what impact that would have on me, my house. Um, it's, it's, it's hard for me to gauge. Uh, and finally, um, yesterday it was OUSA's 130th birthday, uh, and there was a tree planting. And oh, al- also, uh, Richard Good was officially made a life member. Thoughts? Uh, great. Yeah, great. I mean, <laughs> I've always always felt like the the media arm of the organisation has been underrepresented in those sorts of acknowledgements. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the last uh, Leslie Paris. Probably was the last person to be um, uh, made a, a, a life member of of the OUSA, but like, you can't argue with the decades of service uh, Richard has given uh, both the OUSA and, and the wider community through uh, jazz through his, his jazz show on Sunday mornings, and mm-hmm. still adjusting. Yeah, say, still coming to terms with the, <laughs> yes. the new Sunday lineup. Good luck, lads. Um, <laughs> But no, it's yeah, uh, a, a, a huge lifetime. You know, that's what the kind of thing that life membership should acknowledge. It's a, it's a lifetime of of work and, and commitment to a community cause. So. Yeah. Great to see it. Yeah, we're pretty chuffed about it, and uh, perhaps you'll be the next one, Aaron. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> well um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. As always, always a pleasure. We'll catch up in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Jamie. Cheers. All right, Mayor Aaron Hawkins there. Thank you for listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. There's heaps more at r1.co.nz.